Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. So, Kelly, what experience do you have with labor unions and strikes? Like, ever been in a labor union? Had a family member in the labor union? Seen a labor union? I have known people who are in unions, um, friends who are in unions, um, family members who, like, have been unionized before, but I don't have any, like, personal experience with it. Um, So, yeah. Very little. Mm. (laughs) But I know so, you have a wealth. Oh, so, so much. Um, so I have a lot of experience with labor because I'm the child of two union laborers. And my dad also um, went out on strike for 299 days once. Um, and that was a long, long strike. And really, like, deeply impacted my life as not just an Appalachian, but, like, as a working class kid, right? Like your entire life gets turned upside down by a strike. So anybody who is listening to us already knows, like we're talking about labor unions and strikes because we're sitting here recording on the 22nd of August. And Mm -hmm. today was the first official day of the strike in Columbus with the Columbus education association, the teachers going out on strike. Mm -hmm. Um, largest school district in the state, second largest, uh, education union. I just have to point that out. Cleveland teachers have them by just like a few hundred, but (laughs) there are like more than 4,500, um, educators in Columbus who have been trying since March to negotiate an equitable agreement, an equitable labor, uh, agreement that includes safe schools air conditioning for students, right, in all of their schools, Uh, basic understandings of class sizes, like a lot of stuff that you just don't think about. It's not always about money, although money is an important bargaining issue. Like a lot of issues in this strike are about issues that directly impact students and classes. And Mm -hmm. they've been trying to get a negotiated agreement 22 sessions since March. And the city schools just basically walked away last week. They said, this is our last best final offer and we're not going to do any more. And there it is. So these teachers had to go out on strike. And hopefully um, by the time people are listening to this, um, they've reached an agreement, right? Because they can come back and bargain anytime because this is the wonderful lottery of uh, union work. But it's really critical to us at Faith Choice Ohio that everyone understand why union labor and particularly strikes that promote some kind of, of transformative outcome, why those are essential reproductive rights and yeah. justice issues. Because it's just connected to everything, right? Like it's it's this big intersectional reality that, you know, thriving for our children has got to come through lots of different avenues. And one of those are strong labor unions and strong teachers unions, right? Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. this is a time for us to whip out our, <laughs> our handy dandy definition of reproductive justice from Sister hey, Song. Sister Song, yeah. <laughs> uh, reproductive justice 
is the right to have children, to not have children, and very importantly, to parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. And I um, have seen horrendous stuff out of Columbus City Schools. There is, when when I um, got married and I bought my first house, one of the things that my in-laws told me was like, make sure that you pick a house that's like in a good school district and like for one, that's like a a class privilege that I have in being able to choose a place based off of the school district. But like, I don't plan on having kids, so it doesn't necessarily affect me that directly. But honestly, seeing some of the stuff that is the quality of the buildings in Columbus City School districts, it's bad. I wouldn't want to, like, if I had kids, I would not want to send them there. And I've known people um, who I've uh, worked with or met who were teachers in the Columbus City Schools, um, and they have told me horror stories about, like, I just think about, like, class sizes and, you know, you you mentioned, like, the AC being a, a thing that they wanted, like you that may sound like oh that's so plush that's so like wanting something that's like a luxury but like when we have 90 degree weather how can a student focus on that and then thinking about in the winter the lack of heat <laughs> having to wear coats in class like that is not something that a child should have to do and um you know like you said like money is often a part of these things but in this case a lot of it is just these teachers fighting for quality education for these students. And, you know, certain learning environments are not helpful for the kids learning. And it's, it's a travesty to see. And like, I think um, another part of talking about labor unions is also talking about like the ability to rest you know I I also did some um when I was in college I thought for a little bit about being a high school teacher and I ultimately decided not to um but uh you know talking about like the individual care that comes into doing lesson planning and the kinds of stuff that goes into um teaching to your classroom is not like possible in such large groups and also like thinking about the kind of rest that we want our teachers to be able to have so that they can do their job to their best ability and so that students can learn high quality you know stuff uh I, I think a lot of this comes back to rest and and caring not only um in having a good learning environment but also in giving teachers the ability to, you know, calm down, be able to uh, rest so that they can do a good job at their work. And absolutely. Very and, important. You know, you, you start thinking about the, the big question around air conditioning, right? There are lots of people, mm -hmm. oh, students and air conditioning. You know what? Two big things, right? Um, so... Air conditioning is going to be an absolute necessity for many, 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 many more days a year than it used to because we're experiencing the effects of global climate catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Like it or not, wealthy corporations have wrecked the climate. 
period. And now we're in a situation where all of us are having to account for that. Um, students have got to be in a place to where they are in safe and sustainable communities. And part of that means that they're not having to endure conditions that we would not put other workers in. Um, the second piece of that is like anybody who tells you that a student does not deserve air conditioning. I want to have the conversation about why students should deserve at least as good of an environment day to day as what the average CEO has in Franklin mm-hmm. County. Right. Because like if you find it in the office of a high paid multimillion dollar, you know, corporate officer, it ought to be available to our kids because mm-hmm. that's just how it freaking ought to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, the, this interplay between capitalism and, um, you know, our, our wider system of justice and inequity, the reality is there's a very clear link between big corporations getting huge tax abatements in the city of Columbus mm-hmm. and schools being underfunded. You, you take a look at Policy Matters Ohio did this fantastic study like, what, two, three years ago, probably 2019 by now, you know, COVID math, I don't know what year it is, but like, um, they, they did this fantastic study that basically worked out that we're losing around $125 million in revenue across the state every single year to tax abatements that, you know, these municipalities decide to give out these abatements, these essential, like, tax reductions, these, these you know, pocketbook cuts to the wealthiest corporations, and it ends up costing huge dollar amounts to local school systems. And the big issue in in that particular report was a software company called Cover My Meds, right? Do you mm-hmm. remember this? Cover My Meds in Columbus mm-hmm. was given this sweetheart deal of an abatement that ended up costing Columbus schools $3.7 million a year, just Columbus schools, $3.7 million a year in property tax revenue. And over the life of the deal, it works out to be about $50 million, that we're just pouring into these corporations, allowing these corporations to get this money and these tax breaks instead of making sure that children have, you know, safe and sustainable communities to live in, particularly that every school has air conditioning, that every school is free of mouse droppings, that every school has doors that lock, right? Like the, some of these are very basic, like essential things, particularly in the unfortunate area we live in of school security and the needs that are, are revolving around there. Like the idea that some of these buildings don't have functional locks on the doors. Um, you, you can't begin to talk about rest when a person can't even feel safe in their job and in their moment, right? Mm-hmm. So the, these teachers are going out on strike because they want a better outcome for their students, yes, but mm-hmm. also because they want better lives for themselves. They, they want to be able to have jobs that keep up with inflation in terms of compensation and also to have jobs that they don't have to worry about you know, overperforming constantly to account for systemic failures. You know, the idea that we would cap class sizes so that a teacher doesn't go from having 25 to having 35 to having 50 kids in a class. You know, 35 is about the standard right now. Um, 
on paper, but the reality is always larger than that, right? Mm-hmm. We're now in a place, though, where, again, what does it mean when we don't have enough substitutes and a teacher has to take off of class or needs to be out because they've been exposed to COVID? How often did we see in the pandemic and still... When a teacher has to be out and there aren't enough subs, you end up with two, three, sometimes even four classes, especially in the high schools. They just get lumped into a gymnasium and, like, somebody watches to make sure nobody's killing each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a little exaggeration and probably inappropriate given um, all the things. Um, But there's definitely this sense of, like, bare minimum, right? Yeah. Bare minimum... Uh, not even like really supervision per se. Um, and teachers are just standing up saying that's, that's not okay. And I, I just, there's something inside me and this is just like, this is part of my, my redneck union, like essence that just gets really excited when I see people standing up for what other people deserve. Right. Mm -hmm. These teachers do not have to go out on strike just for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. They do not, they they could figure out, every one of those individual teachers could no doubt get up and move to another district. They could go, you know, if they wanted to sell their soul to a charter school or, you know, whatever, right? Um, to, to go out of public education, out of the mission that they feel called in, they could be fine. But they have decided they're going to stay and they're going to fight and they're going to fight this out to make sure that their kids get the kind of future that the whole community deserves. Mm -hmm. And that's the community rest piece, right? That's, you know, that's the, the holistic generational process, right? Um, Which I I know we had talked um, earlier, this, um, this last book in the RJ book series, you know, that you, you have uh, put together for us, this concept of like, looking forward to your children's future or, you know, in general, the, the future of the children, whether we have Mm -hmm. children or not, like all children were working Mm -hmm. for their future. Yeah. I, as we're talking, so we're recording this on Monday, August 22nd, um, in the evening, uh, after, (laughs) uh, the last book club from the reproductive justice book club, um, happened so uh that happened like just an hour ago um and i'm still kind of like uh in that kind of mindset so the book that we covered for our last book is called my mother was a freedom fighter by aja monet and um i i'm gonna share something from this book um it's there's a poem in here that i'm gonna share a little bit later but um as you were talking you know, uh, one part of doing this reproductive justice book club is like explaining what reproductive justice is and also like why expanding beyond just talking about abortion, um, is important to reproductive justice. Um, you know, like I fully, that safe and sustainable communities portion of it is not just there. It is a essential part just as having children and not having children is an essential part of the reproductive justice definition so is the safe and sustainable communities and like when it comes to this uh it is very much so aligned with reproductive justice values um and i just wanted to share a few things before i share this poem later um from aja monet 
her all of the writing in this book is very like poetic and very much connects with my soul um but toward this conversation about Columbus City Schools and you know fighting for something that doesn't maybe necessarily affect you directly and like you could get out of this situation but choosing to fight anyway um I have a couple of sections highlighted. It says, I've learned all violence is a violence toward women. There are wars waged on our bodies, but no body is here except through, except through the portal of a womb that carried the body. To hurt one is to hurt each person who labored to create us. Mm. And then she continues later. Um, actions without a confrontation of repressed feelings become movement without meaning. Gestures in good faith do not end oppression. It is risk and ruthless, radical love that will see us through. And, you know, when I'm seeing these people choosing to strike, choosing to commit toward uh, having these safe and sustainable communities, I see that kind of ruthless, radical love. It is, you know, like you said, they could <laughs> they could sell their souls to a charter school. They could go and, like, you know, chase a better um, working environment for themselves. But that would not solve the problem of uh, the learning environment for the kids that are going there. It would not solve the problem of the buildings and the clumping of classes um, and all of that. It wouldn't solve that problem. What will work to solve that problem is this ruthless radical love, this passion that these teachers and um, community members are showing towards these kids to, you know, put it on the line to make sure that they have something better, something that, you know, they deserve. Um, the right to have a safe and sustainable classroom to learn in. Absolutely. And like before we get, before we get a ton of like mail and letters, um, (laughs) because we, we both just said, you know, sell your soul. um, Like it just so everyone knows, it just so everyone knows in Ohio, like I'm sure I've, I've got some friends in some other States where charter schools are much better regulated and like they're very small niche, like, uh, responses to specific needs for specific communities. I'm thinking about, you know, a lot of my friends in very rural states. Charter schools in Ohio are almost exclusively administered as a way to devalue and disinvest from public schools, which has a racist element. It is racism because folk who are typically predominantly white and well-off financially are able to leave black and brown bodies and working class bodies in the public schools while they suck tons of money and energy through weird state voucher programs out to, you know, again, essentially make sure that there is this continued inequality even in the education that the youngest children in our state receive. And like, that's the element, that's the element that ties so much of this together that like, no, all of us are born through this, this portal, right? As, as Ajimone says, like we come through this together in the same way. And somehow, some way, this system 
is arranged to try to divide us from the very beginning. That mm-hmm. simply who we are born to and how we are born dictates what opportunities we have. And that is fundamentally not the future we seek. That is mm-hmm. fundamentally not reproductive justice. Yeah. Um, while you were talking, and um, this ties into the poem that I really want to read because it's so good. <laughs> um, yes, and do it. When when you were talking, like the the uh, systemic injustice and this uh, white supremacy that's being enacted, and the fact that people can pay for their children to have better education, but we're just going to forget about the people who are in public schools and uh, are liter- literally learning in f- buildings that are falling apart. Um, it it feels like state violence to me, <laughs> does it not? It feels like state you know, state, um, uh, oh my God, the word is gone. Uh, it's state violence. And, uh, I, I think like it's, it's hard to live in a world where we are surrounded by state violence, even in our schools. Um, and so I, I really want to read this poem that talks about not only state violence, but also how, how we continue on. Cause like Terry, I don't know about you, but I honestly, I've been struggling, you know, mm. we were, how does one work their little job, do their little life, make sure they eat breakfast um, it, while the world is falling apart and people are both losing access to reproductive um, health rights and justice and also are forced to put their kids in a school that is literally falling apart. Like how do we, how is it that we both are forced to have children and we're forced to put our kids in unsafe and unsustainable situations? Mm. This is a multiple injustice. And so I want to share this and I know that you have uh, something else to share, but I think art is like really powerful and, um, it's what is helping me get through this moment. So I'm going to share this. It's called Daughters of the uh, of a New Day um, by Aja, Aja Monet. Rousing demonstrations across the country, globe and mines. Protest is a petition for presence. A dress draping in front of a military tank. It is a black girl scaling a 30-foot pole to take down a Confederate flag. The intuit intuitive urgency of doing whatever must be done, tormented by willful silence. Courageous voices raise and riot what cannot be killed. Fingers in the shape of a heart, a fistful of blistered blues. We take to the streets, picket signs in our blood, our ancestors marching through a nightmare. We rise toward freedom. We resist and live as if a right to be unoccupied, embarrassing borders. State violence is as intimate as a forced kissed, busted lip, or bloodied eye. We feel it in our bones, deeply. How do you matter a life? The terrain of our struggle to live, our sense of community grow, or goes deeper than who we inhabit safe space with. It is in the sinking of bodies that never touch. Solidarity is a witnessing, the risk, the power to act. It is the radical fight to care, to nurture what in you endures. Uh, the spiritual war of class, the rally for lovers to love. 
A trans woman dancing with herself in a crowded room for the first time is too a protest. A mother in Hebron dresses her daughter in dreams. Existence is too resistance. A Syrian father reunited with his son on the shore of his arms is too a revolution. A frizzed South African girl full of kink and spine resting her hair in her hands is too an act of political warfare. We protest to empower personhood more than mourning. We roar. Be not discouraged. Be not dismayed. Be defiant and deliberate. Always be. Mm, mm, mm. And just like as I'm reading that and, and thinking about this moment and thinking about these people who are who are protesting, even like like that um talking about solidarity uh is is not just like the people that you inhabit space with but the people that you uh you feel regardless of if you're touching um those kinds of connections i think just that's how we survive this moment and the only way that we're going to get to a liberated future a future where kids have safe and sustainable learning environments where teachers are paid what they deserve is through acts of radical love, like striking. So that's right. Yeah, that's right. And it, that, that work that you just shared is so powerful because it, it calls us to look at literally every face, every, every spirit, every aspect of humanity as this righteous, holy, holy thing that's a part of the whole other thing like none of this is other all of this is is together and one and just a holy mess in so many beautiful ways that is the kind of life that we we strive to be conscious of right that is the kind of life that we strive in this work to make real that individuals are full of the consciousness that they matter and the rest of the world, the rest of humanity matters as well. You know, when, when I walk through, uh, you know, abortion justice with people who don't quite get it yet, they don't quite understand, like, how, how are you, you know, why is this such a big issue? Like, why is it such a concern for you that people have access to abortionists? Like, you've got to understand that that piece of a person's life and that choice has to be available because it is part of all of the choices, all of the, the accessible care that ought to be part of their life if they want it. It ought to be an option. It ought to be, you know, one of the colors in the palette. It ought to be one of the stars in the sky, right? Like, it is an essential part of being human, having access to that care in compassion and joy. Well, uh, we are out of time. And I mean, if it was not abundantly clear... We support those teachers who are striking right now and are wishing for, you know, a better outcome to to this moment. Um, because it's it's all for the kids, you know, 
it's it's all for the kids and the community and and making sure that like we have access and they have access to being able to pursue their whole their whole happiness and their whole um possibility so yeah be sure to check the show notes. We're going to have um, links and information to Columbus Education Association, also to their strike fund. And who knows, by the time you hear this, um, they may have an agreement. So if they already have an agreement, you know, make sure to just bop on over to their page and congratulate them. Um, hopefully that is the case. But until next time, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things Repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.